Well, I want to welcome all seven congregations of Willow Creek Church here this weekend. Glad that you're here with us as a church. And to the regionals, I want to give you one quick update before we jump into the message. Uh, many of you know this last week was intended to be my last week on staff. Uh, earlier this month, Ray Johnston was installed as the new interim senior pastor. And with everything going on in the world, uh, Ray and I've been talking and Ray just said, Steve, uh, would you consider staying on just in the midst of the crisis to be a pastoral voice and a teacher in the midst of this? And, and I told him, well, I'll tell you this. I love this church, love you. And I said, if I can serve, happy to do it. And so for the next several weeks, I'm going to stay on, try to walk us through this crisis together and uh, glad we can be together. And this weekend, we're in the second week of our journey through Mark. Uh, We've been studying this book in the Bible that describes Jesus' life and his story and his teaching. It's really a history of all the things Jesus did. And one of the things as I've been reading, uh, a question's been in my mind, and it's a question I'd like to ask you. In the midst of all these great stories, when was Jesus at his best? What was his best moment, at least for you? If you were going to answer that, what would you say? Maybe go, it's when he's teaching, right? He teaches like no other. He's got authority and power and creativity in his teaching. It's remarkable. We're still trying to understand and grapple with and apply his teaching 2,000 years later. He's a remarkable teacher. Maybe go, he's at his best when he's teaching. Others of you go, it's when he's doing the miraculous, when he opens the eyes of the blind or when he stretches out the limbs that don't work and now someone can walk. It's when he's doing the miraculous that he's at his best. Very valid. Others of you would say, you know, it's when he's confronting the religious leaders, when he has the courage to stand up and say to those in leadership who are showing signs of hypocrisy, just calling them out. When he has that kind of courage to say, that's not how leaders work. That's when he's at his best. Others of you go, surely it's when he was crucified, when he went to the cross for our sins, paid the price. That's when he was at his best. Others of you, maybe you go, it's when he overcame the grave, when he was resurrected, when he promised life eternal for all those who trust him. That's him at his best, right? All valid. Those are all valid, wonderful responses. For me, for me, it's a little different answer. Uh, The moments in the Gospels, for me, when I think Jesus at his best, are the normal everyday moments where he walks up and notices someone, sees them, and then goes straight up to them and has a few words with them that transform their life, where he offers them a second chance and uh, changes their eternity. Those moments choke me up. They bring tears to my eyes. They move me quite powerfully that Jesus sees someone, cares about them, and then invites them into a new life and a new relationship. All the others, everything's so great. But for me, those moments are him at his best, where he's not just surrounded by a crowd, but that he sees the individual. And today, the passage I want to look at is one of those moments. In these passages, many times, you can just breeze right past them because everything around it is big and miraculous. And some of the times, you can miss these subtle, simple, but beautiful moments of Jesus with one individual. And we're in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 tells one of these stories. Let me just read it to you. Here's what it says. It says that Jesus was walking beside the lake, and a large crowd had gathered to hear him teach. And as he walked along, he saw Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And immediately Levi got up and followed him. Just a simple story, right? A couple of things you've got to know about this. 
In this moment, Jesus is surrounded by a crowd, a huge crowd that's been following him around, listening to him teach. So easy, you can imagine seeing a crowd that he wouldn't notice someone. But in the midst of all these people, it just simply says that as he walked along, he saw Levi. He saw him. Something beautiful here you need to know is that Jesus, time and time again, can be surrounded by people. And in the midst of the multitude, he sees that one person, the one person who most needs to know him. That's the case with Levi. Jesus saw him. See, this is what you need to know. A lot of people ask me this. When God looks at the world, does he just see this planet covered with people? Does he just see the billions of people as a mass? Well, I think he does, but I think more than that, God actually describes in the Bible, God sees you. Bible describes that God sees every one of us as an individual. It means he knows you. He knows your past. He knows your worries. He knows your heartache. He knows your pain. He knows your hopes for the future. He knows the anxiety you feel right now. He knows you. And the Bible says that he sees you. One of my favorite things is when I'm interacting with someone who's trying to figure out faith, uh, almost every time there's a point where they sense God's presence. And they'll ask for a moment with me. Um, Recently, this happened with a friend. He was out at night just uh, kind of looking up at the stars. And in the middle of that night, he had this sense of God's love and his grace. And so he asked me about it. He said, what do you think? And I said, the Bible says that God comes to every person, shows himself to them. And I think that may have been one of these moments for you. And then I said this to him. I said, now you've got to grapple with this. Out of the billions of people on the planet, in that moment, the God of the universe wanted to be with you. And he wanted you to know him and to know his love and to know his grace. See, that's the truth and the beauty of the God we serve. It isn't just a God for the masses. He's the God for the individual. And that's what happened to Levi. Out of this huge crowd, God sees him. Now, you get a couple data points about Levi in this. You get his name, and then you get his job. He's a tax collector. Now, this is what you have to know about tax collectors. See, Rome had conquered Israel, and one of the things the Romans did to maintain order was they would draw out someone from the community. They'd recruit someone from that town to be the tax collector, to collect taxes. And in this, they were viewed as a traitor because basically in this, Rome had conquered Israel, and they selected Jewish men to become collectors of taxes for Rome. So they're a traitor. But more than that, they had the authority that they could levy additional taxes for themselves. So example, if Rome wanted 10%, Levi here, he could have determined, well, I'm going to take 12 and 2% comes to me. So what you have to know is they viewed Levi as a traitor, but more than that, they viewed him as a thief because he was one of their own taking money from them. See, the minute Levi said yes to becoming a tax collector, he became a very, very wealthy man, but he came completely ostracized from the community, hated and despised. In fact, the religious leaders of his day excluded him completely from both religious activities and the community. So being a tax collector, you got money, but you really didn't have anything that mattered. In the midst of this, these tax collectors so hated, so despised, what was so shocking was that Jesus, out of everyone he could have talked to, went straight up to him and he knew his name. He called him. He said, Levi, I see you. And then it simply says that Jesus then says, follow me, follow me. 
See, here's the thing. Is that rabbis on that day, they didn't ever instigate and initiate and invite. The expectation of a rabbi was you've established some status and people would ask to be your follower. You didn't go after them. Jesus turned that on its tables and Jesus was the one who invited him. Jesus was the one who said, I want you to follow me. Now in this, the idea of following me is this, is Jesus saying, I want you to give up tax collecting. I want you to put that life behind you. I'm giving you a second chance, a second chance. Put everything you've done behind you and follow after me. See, for Levi, this was a normal day like any other day, but this was the day of his transformation. Many years earlier, he had agreed in a moment to become a tax collector, and it had been a dreadful decision, a terrible decision. He became wealthy, but lost all the stuff that mattered. And in this moment, Jesus, with a simple invitation, restores him. In fact, later in the passage, it says that the religious leaders were quite upset with Jesus because he was talking to a tax collector and he was sharing a meal with him. And Jesus said the simple phrase, I didn't come here for the healthy. I came for the sick. And in a very real sense, Jesus did a miraculous thing because Levi's sickness was not physical. It was spiritual and it was societal. See, that decision to become a tax collector had completely broken him. And Jesus, in that simple invitation saying, follow me, was actually saying, let me restore you. Let me give you a second chance at both society and community, but bigger than that, at faith. And my belief, my belief is that Levi, in order to follow Jesus, he had two obstacles he had to overcome. Two things that I see most common in the people I interact with, the people I try to work with in their faith. And the first one is the word beneath. And it's the idea that someone says, second chances are beneath me, beneath me. This so often is someone who has pride, wealth. Someone who goes, I don't need a second chance. I'll get up on my own. Years ago, I interacted with a friend who was trying to figure out faith. Actually, when I started interacting with him, he wasn't. A very successful guy, led a large business, very wealthy. And as he learned what I did and we interacted, he had zero interest in God. And he basically said as clear as he could that he thought faith was for weak people. He didn't need faith and he didn't need God. And respectfully uh, allowed him to say that and we built a friendship. And it was a few years later uh, that something happened that kind of turned this for him. See, his whole life, he could control just about everything. He could make his way. He could work through problems. He could do it on his own. And then his son, his oldest son, when he got to be in his 20s, it became clear that he had a drug addiction. And my friend paid for all the best therapies, sent him to different facilities to try to get help, did everything he always did, which was control the situation, and none of it worked. And he finally reached a place of heartache and heartbreak where he realized he could not fix his son. And he told me there was a day where he was just crying over what his son had gone through and how his son was struggling. And he found himself praying. And he said to me, Steve, the moment he said he realized, he said, Steve, I'd never prayed before this because I didn't think there was a God. But when I was most desperate, when I could not fix what mattered most to me is when I turned in. See, the truth is many times people out of pride or ego or because of just success, They go, I don't need a second chance. I'll do it on my own. And here's the truth. The Bible says every single one of us needs a second chance. 
So if this is you, I hope you'll move beyond your pride, ego. I hope there's a place where you'll humble yourself. And I hope there's a point where you realize God offers to every single person a second chance, and it's for you too. All you have to do is say yes to that invitation. So that's for some people. They think, this is beneath me. Levi very clearly didn't have that. Although he could have, because of his wealth, thinking immediately, I need this. But the second one is, there's a second obstacle. It's this, some people believe that a second chance is beyond them. And this is the person that says, if you only knew what I've done, if you've only <laughs> knew my past, if you only knew all the things that I have said, done, all the people I've hurt, you wouldn't offer me a second chance. I interacted with a woman at our church recently. And in one of our services, uh, she felt God move in her. We had talked about what it means to respond to the gospel and receive the second chance, receive grace. And she just said, are you sure it's available to me? And then she described just part of her story and part of her past. And she described uh, a lot of poor choices. Uh, she described a lot of heartache. And she just said, does, does Jesus' second chance apply to people like me? This is what I think most likely would have been Levi's obstacle. I think he looked at Jesus and thought, are you sure? Are you sure? Do you know what's in my life? Do you know what's in my past? Are you sure? This is why I think it's significant that Jesus basically came to him at work. It says that he was sitting at the tax collector's booth where he would receive taxes. Jesus wants to make it clear he knew exactly his shame. He knew exactly what his profession was. He knew exactly how he betrayed his people. And at the tax collector's booth is where Jesus showed up to say, come on, follow me. I got a second chance for you. And see, this is the truth. I don't know your story, but he does. And if you're someone where you go, I'm not sure the second chance is for me because do you know what I've done? Maybe the second chance of Christ is beyond me. I got such good news. The Bible describes that no one, not one person is beyond the love and the grace of our incredible God. So if you wonder that, can I just tell you the truth? The answer is no, you are not beyond this. His grace is sufficient for you and you're invited. You're welcomed in. You are part of this. Jesus comes straight to you and all the stuff from your past and goes, follow me, follow me. So let me ask you, in your life, have you had a point like Levi, where in the midst of your life, Jesus showed up and you felt the invitation from him saying, follow me. Have you had a point where you said yes to that? Have you had a point where you said yes to a second chance? Can you recall that? If not, can I just ask you real quick, could this be your day right here? Just you. Could this be your day to receive a second chance? In a moment, I'm going to close with a word of prayer and I'll talk you through how you could do it even right now. But there's one more part of the story I want to talk about. And specifically, it's those of you who have received Christ, who have accepted a second chance. And it's this. When Jesus invites Levi, this text says that Jesus basically invites himself to Levi's house for a meal. And the idea initially, you would think, is it's just the two of them. Just the two of them going to share a meal. But the text says that when they get to the house, it's Levi and a whole bunch of the other tax collectors. What happened? Here's what I think happened. See, Levi was so moved that Jesus would offer him a second chance. He didn't want to keep it to himself. He wanted to share it with others. 
My sense is when Levi became a tax collector, he was an outsider and an outcast. The only people he could build a friendship with was other tax collectors. And so when Jesus offered him a second chance, my belief is that Levi so excited for himself, but so excited for his friends. And he invited everyone else to join him. And see, this is one of the signs for those of us who've had a second chance with Christ. Once he offers us a second chance, we want to share it with others. Levi, I'm sure, brought so many people to that table to say, you got to see this, Jesus. you got to hear the message. And this is our chance, gentlemen, to get a second chance. Don't miss it. And those of you who are Christians, can I ask you, if you had a chance to extend this to friends, do you have some people you'd invite in? See, the truth is, as Christians, we are challenged to be the people who invite in others. How are you doing at that? Maybe as we go through the book of Mark, that's the thing you need to focus on. That's the thing you need to redirect. You need to become one of the people who reaches out to find those who need this message of the second chance. You can be the person who brings the second chance to others. Now back to those of you who aren't yet Christians. Here's what I want to say. And a lot of times when we gather, we gather in large rooms and I'll say to people, you know, bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and, and many times my friends, uh, when they make a decision of faith, it helps them to have some physical act just as kind of a reminder they got this. The Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so a lot of times I'll just say, we're going to say a prayer and I'll just say, raise a hand. Nobody looking around. Raise a hand up if you want to receive grace today, if you want a second chance. And the fascinating thing is now, you really can raise a hand with no one looking around. You right there. And so what I want to ask is this, right now, have you had a point in your life where you received grace, where you received the invitation to follow Jesus, to get a second chance, to be forgiven for whatever's in your path, to declare this one isn't beneath me and it's not beyond me, it's exactly for me. Have you had a point where you received it? Right here, right now, what I would do is just say a prayer. And I'd actually, actually ask right where you're at. Nobody's looking around clearly. You might just want to put up your hands and go, God, would you see me right here? Would you notice me? God, I'm taking the second chance. The physical act for Levi was he got up from the table and followed. For you, it might just be raise your hand. And what I'd like to do is just lead you in a prayer. And many times when I'm with friends who need a miracle, uh, many times at a bedside at a hospital, uh, I'll just say, I'm going to pray, but I want to pray eyes open. And I'll pray the same thing here. And what I just say now is, is just kind of mimic this prayer. And here's how it goes. Dear Jesus, uh, I know, God, I've done things wrong. And God, I know I need a second chance. And God, I'm grateful that Jesus offers a second chance to me. And so no, right now, God, as someone who needs it, I receive grace and forgiveness. I believe you are who you said you were, the Savior of the world, God himself. I believe that on the cross, you paid the price for all the things I've done wrong, so I don't have to. And what you did in the grave, where you overcame death, you promised that to me, and I received that as well. So now, God, I submit my life to you, and I'm following you, and I receive this second chance in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. And what I tell you is, God heard that prayer. God seals that choice. Bible describes that any time you make a choice like that, God hears it, sees it, and seals it. And now your job is to actually grow in your faith, to pursue God, to understand Him, to begin reading the Bible and applying it to your life. Find a church, 
I hope you'll join us online. If this isn't the church where you can find another one online, there's lots of us online now. But we're grateful for you. And I want to say one more prayer. Because I know many of us right now, everything in the world is creating quite a storm for us. And there's lots of anxiety, lots of fear. One more aspect on this I just want to share with you. You notice that Jesus out of the crowd, he was on the lookout for the person who was most in need, the most vulnerable. And my belief is in this season as Christians, part of our job is to be on the lookout for people who are vulnerable right now and who are in need, to encourage them, to help them, to care about them tangibly. Many times if you've got people in your life who like can't go shopping because they have physical ailments, immunocompromised, be the person to step out and do that. Kind of join God in this and caring for others in the midst of a very difficult time. So I'd love to just pray for us all now as a church. So let's pray, can't we? So God, this is my prayer for every person who's joined us both here in Chicago and around the world. God, one, I'd ask, would you calm the storms that we are all experiencing? Would you calm our fear? God, would you give us courage and grace, wisdom and discernment? God, would you use us to bring hope to people who could use it? And God, would you use us to invite in those who need your message of grace? God, I'd ask that you bless us as we continue to read through the book of Mark. Show yourself to us. Help us to understand you. And God, we love you. And we pray this now in the name of Christ. Amen. And amen. Blessings, everyone.